Welcome to The Path to Visibility. I'm your host, Janice Mandel, and I'm here to take you under my wing and show you how to create the kind of visibility and reputation you've always dreamed of for your business or yourself. Through my decades of experience launching and managing brands for companies like Microsoft, American Express, and Procter & Gamble, and running my own public relations agency, I know that small and medium-sized businesses can benefit from many of the same strategies and tactics that big companies use to attract attention. I'll be interviewing successful entrepreneurs, marketing pros, and members of the media, and offering actionable tips of my own so you can learn how to do just that. So if you're looking for an effective way to get the word out and build a solid reputation for your brand, look no further. You found it. Let's get started. Welcome, and thanks so much for tuning in this week. I'm really excited because I have finally, on episode 11, my very first journalist interview. One of the things that I wanted to do on this podcast was to introduce you, my listeners, to some of the people that I've worked with and relied on over the years. And today's guest, Steve Latterande, is one of those people. I'm going to introduce him in a moment because that's how our interview starts, but I recorded this section after the interview was completed. So I can tell you that he's always very knowledgeable and helpful, but I feel like in the interview you're going to listen to today, he really delivered extremely practical advice that I think you'll find relevant and useful. So let's get started. Today's guest is Steve Laderante. I first met Steve about 10 years ago when he was a reporter at the Globe and Mail, which is Canada's national newspaper. I was actually pitching him um, on a story for a client back then. and. I also started following him on Twitter, of course, because I do follow a lot of journalists on Twitter. There's a lot of media on Twitter. I think I've mentioned that in the past. So Steve back then worked with another reporter named Simon Hout, and the two of them used to get into these elaborate conversations on Twitter. And I would sometimes jump in and comment. You know, I have no idea why I did that because they were so much smarter and funnier than me. And I usually had to bail almost immediately because I was always like way outmatched by their banter. I remember one time I was actually driving on the highway trying to like converse with them (laughs) and I almost got into an accident. Anyway, before Steve joined the Globe and Mail, he worked at a few local daily newspapers here in Canada and he left the Globe for an amazing position at Twitter, where one of his responsibilities was actually to teach other journalists in North America how to use Twitter. He eventually left Twitter and went back to the newsroom to work first as a managing editor at CBC which is Canada's national public broadcaster, then as head of news and current affairs at the Scottish television station, STV. Steve has always been a trailblazer in the world of journalism. He's very tech savvy. So it makes sense that he now works as VP of content at a very forward thinking company called Zonda. It's a media company. So I thought Steve would be the perfect person to give us some advice about things like, you know, media pitching do's and don'ts, small business storytelling, how to leverage the news media generally, that kind of stuff. So welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Is there anything I left out of your intro that I should have mentioned? No, it's just funny listening to you when you talk about Simon and I tweeting at each other. We were most of the time, while you're driving down the highway, we were sitting like six feet apart from each other. So often we weren't even like, we could have shouted back and forth rather than tweeted at each other. But uh, you were very entertaining. (laughs) That's what we did. (laughs) Yes. And also intimidating. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So let me just start off by saying, and I think speaking for a lot of people who might be listening right now, it can be really nerve wracking for a small business owner to pitch a journalist. But 
I also know the reality is that small businesses have some really good stories to tell. So I was just wondering, like, what advice would you give on the best way to approach media as a small business? You think right off the top, realizing that, you know, journalists aren't magical unicorns who are going to be mean to you necessarily if you give them a bad idea, right? I think there's this perception that, you know, they're, they're, they're on this pedestal and you need to approach them very cautiously. Otherwise, they'll get skittish or they'll, again, you know, be snappy or rude. The reality is there's, you know, there's fewer and, and fewer journalists every day. Um, and the ones that are left are looking to you as someone with a story, whether you're a small business owner or a politician or whatever you may be, yeah. uh, to bring bring them something they can use, right? To, to cut down on their thinking a little bit, to make it easy for them. So like in terms of bringing them something they can use, what should we be thinking about? You need to know what your own story is about, right? What What is it you're trying to get them to write a story about? And you know, I have this written down a few times in different places that I thought I should mention while we talk, but, you know, realizing that you're not likely to be the focus of a story on your own, right? You're likely to be an element in someone's story about something that's happening. So that could be a trend in your industry, a trend in the world, you know, a personality, whatever it may be, chances are you're one voice out of three or four that are going to be in a story. So understanding that, you know, depending on your industry, there's a story that's happening about subject X, you know, a lot about subject X. The story is not going to just be about you and what you know about subject X. It's going to be about subject X. So you need to get a hold of that person, you know, get the idea in front of them and say, I can be a contributor to that idea. I'm happy to help. Is there anything I can do more so than sort of banging the pot on your head and saying, I'm it, I'm the story, I'm the person you should be writing about. Right. So I think that a lot of people are struggling with subject X. Like, how do I find subject X? What should I be like trends, you know, uh, story ideas? I mean, when you guys have your, I've talked a little bit about this editorial meetings and discuss, you know, what kind of stories you're going to be looking at for that day or week or whatever. What is your thought process? I mean, this 1 billion percent depends on the medium in which you want your story to be told, right? So, you know, so many people make the mistake, especially in television, uh, where I spend a lot of time of coming to us with a really great story, but a story that has absolutely no visuals, for example, there's, you know, there's no... You know, they're like, I've got the spreadsheet that tells you this awesome story about this business. You should absolutely do a story about it. You know, if you don't have good pictures, they're not going to do the television story. It's just, it, just the way it is. It doesn't matter how good the story is. They're not going to do it. Uh, whereas, you know, with print, that that becomes less important and you could, you could tell more of a narrative and you can get into the story a little bit differently. So when it comes to kind of deciding what your story is, you know, I, I've done work with small businesses as an editor and I've done work with small businesses as a more of a consultant. And I often tell them like, what would you tell somebody who you're trying to hire? You know, why is this a good place to work? What is it about this place that, that is future looking or, you know, on trend? Um, You know, is it just one of a thousand software companies or is it looking into a sector of the software world that nobody else is looking and why are they looking there? That's, that's sort of a good way to look at it. Like what's unique. Yeah. What's What's unique unique and special. Yeah. And everybody thinks they're unique and special, but you know, there's only so many different ways to sell software as a service, right? There's right. only so many different types of companies. So you just need to figure out within that industry, what is it that, you know, makes you something worth talking about. And a lot of that is positioning yourself as an expert. I think it's knowing what your industry is. And again, knowing that you're not going to be the sole focus of every story that ever yeah. gets written about, um, understanding uh, probably the journalists are really lazy uh, for the most part, and they'll go back to the same people over and over and over uh, so once you've established yourself as an expert in lawn care, every time that journalist writes a story about lawn care, they're going to knock on your door. And then other yeah. journalists are going to see you in that story and they're going to knock on your yeah. door because you were clever in the other story. So there really is yeah. a cycle that starts to feed itself really nicely. 
That makes me so feel so good that you said that because I said that in my last episode. I think I said that twice <laughs> already. That you know, once you get yourself established, as long yeah. as you're available, that's important. You need to answer the phone. You need to not make the person wait for you because obviously they'll go elsewhere if they have to wait too long. But like you know, yeah. you can become a source. So yeah. so sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say the number one worst thing you could do is you know put out a press release or reach out to media and then not be available afterwards. And I know it's like, so easy to say, but it happens so, so often. It does. Like all the time. It does. All the time. Yes. I, I've actually had clients like so, so many times who've been like, the press release is done. And then they're like, okay, go get your, you know, go get the coverage. And I'm like, yes, well, you're going to be available to answer the phone and do the interviews, right? Oh, no, I, I'm tied up all day. Well, then there will not be any, you know, interviews. Like we won't get any coverage if you do that. That's right. So, I mean, people don't, people sometimes overlook that. But yes, being available is, is like, you know, I don't want to say it's 50% of the battle, but it's like 25% of the battle. Yeah. And so many people don't think when they reach out to a television station that they'll have to be on TV. It, it amazes me every single time. But like, if you pitch to a television station, you're going to be on TV. Like that's the yeah. way that process works. Right. But they don't, there seems to be this mental block in front of people where they don't associate the end product with what it's they're talking true. about up front. No, it's true. So like, I do always say people to people, TV is a visual medium. So you need to make sure that you are, we have a visual story. So getting back to that comment you made, like, in this world that we live in today, like if I wanted to pitch a story, let's say I was a parenting expert, for example, and I wanted to, you know, pitch a local TV station about something to do with, you know, like I'm going to help siblings fight less or something like that. What would be the way to pitch the visual? Like, would you just suggest that, would you ask them, like, do you do in-studio interviews or would you maybe film some B-roll that you would have ready that you could send? I think it all de depends on the initial approach that you make, right? So if you're approaching the, the station as a whole, are you going through, you know, the news editor person? Are you going through a reporter? And I really think, you know, now more than ever, uh, going directly to the reporter is really easy. You know, they're all they're all on Twitter, they're all on LinkedIn. Um, you could you could start a conversation, and it, it just feels more organic that way. Where you could say like, "Look, I know you need to have background on people. There's no excuse for not knowing what a reporter covers at this point." So you're not going to go to an economics reporter and say, I've got this great story about my babysitting business that you should cover. Um, but there will be people who who do cover those sorts of stories. And, you know, there may be three or four of them in the newsroom and you could pick your spot. But going directly to that person and saying, oh, you know, I noticed you did this story a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing something either similar or a little bit different or, you know, just in that field. Thought you might be interested in it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's yeah. as easy as that, right? This doesn't yeah. need to be a, you know, a, a heavily scripted press release with a, a proper approach. You could just be as simple as a Twitter message saying like, I'm doing something like that, by the way, um, you want to chat about it sometime? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about press releases? Do you think that there, there's still a place for them? Yeah. I think, you know, a like lot in of non-hard news environment. Yeah. People are, you know, there's so many specialty blogs and so many other publications that will pick up press releases and just run them verbatim as well. They're just starving for content. Um, so there is a lot of opportunity, you know, even, you know, some of the bigger outlets now will just pick up a press release and rewrite it so that they have a maximum amount of content in a day. So I wouldn't discount it as a strategy. I think it's probably useful, but you know, what a press release isn't uh, is exclusive, right? And that's another really important thing. I think when you're approaching media is not to approach every single person, you know, to let the person know that this is for you, right? I thought about you, Steve Laterante, reporter, and I thought this would be good for you and your audience and your audience yeah. would like this because yeah. Uh, right. Rather than just blasting it out into the world and hoping that every reporter in the country picks it up um, yeah. and, and thinks that you're special because they're just probably not going to. 
Right. So it's like, take that half an hour and write that specific pitch and make sure you're writing it in a way that's personalized because the, the value is, is going to be in the results you get. That's right. And then, you know, I'm, I'm across a bunch of magazines right now in the job that I have and the number of generic emails that float in, you know, are in the hundreds every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm nobody on the editorial side. I'm the, I'm the vice president of residential content at a big, you know, international publishing company. Right. I don't have, I'm not day-to-day operations, but I still get them. Yeah. And, and they smell of like just desperation and, and, and awkwardness, right? They're just blasted out. They're followed up. They're followed up. They're followed up. Uh, they try to be cute. They, they're very generic. They try to make them feel personal, which is even worse, right? So, you know, the worst like you can do. In a generic do, way. Yeah. It's like, hey, Steve, remember when we talked two weeks ago? And you're like, no, we didn't talk <laughs> two weeks ago, right? And, know. <laughs> you know, there's all these sort of weird tricks that you use. And again, if you just sort of pick where you're trying to get and know, know where you're trying to pitch, it's going to be so, so much easier. And I know for a fact, like I, when I came back to Canada yeah. after living in Scotland for a couple of years, I helped at a publication called the Ottawa Business Journal, which is where I started my career. You know, which is a local business journal for Ottawa. It publishes yeah, yeah, I know, know it daily. Yeah, it's a it's great, really, really smart publication. And you know, the approaches that worked were the direct approaches, saying, "I've got a business in the city, and this is what we're doing." Yeah, right? it's, it's nothing complicated. Yeah. It, you know, the reporters are looking for stories; they want stuff to come to them, uh, and they just want it to be relevant to what they're doing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so, what about like in terms of building relationships with reporters and getting them interested? I mean, without being contrived, without being phony like what is a good way i know that's probably a very broad question but like how would you want to be approached by somebody i'm happy just with traditional methods right i'm happy for a phone call and most people i mean most people can't even get their phone number i suppose now but um you know i'm not active on twitter anymore so i wouldn't expect to be approached that way uh linkedin is probably you know depending on the type of publication you're approaching the best i think because you get direct contact to that person but i really you can't beat the one-on-one and if you can get a hold of the person you know, via email, if you can get their email and just, you know, make it personal, then I think you got a better chance. And again, it's just introducing yourself, saying what you're trying to accomplish. It's not trying to sell your idea right off the top, even. And the best time to reach out is uh, before you need the story done, just saying, this is what I do. And, you know, again, I'm an expert on the subject. I know you're probably not doing anything in this right now, but, you know, let's think about it in the future. And then once you sort of get the ball rolling a little bit, you can say, wait, you know, maybe we should talk about my business a little bit. And, you know, I've just branched out into doing this or, or whatever yeah. it may be. Okay, and it's relevant. Um, I think it's relevant. So yeah, you know, direct messages, um, you know, slide into their DMs and yeah. let them know you're there. Do you think that, that media are less, uh, I'm really divided about Twitter. Like I, I don't use it much myself anymore. Like I used to use it a lot, as you know, but do you think media are on there? Like, or do you think they're starting to move off? Yeah, I think it's diminishing returns, right? I mean, the secret about Twitter is that it never drove traffic to websites anyway. Like there was never any good reason to be there. Uh, if you really want to break it down in, in terms of a business case, you know, it was, it's good for talking to other journalists. It's good to talk to politicians. Like everybody's yeah. there saying important people saying good important for conversation, things. good for conversation, but it didn't drive very many views to my stories. Right. So why am I there in the end? And then, you know, as it's gotten worse over the last couple of years with the abuse and the nonsense, and I don't think it's gotten worse. I think it's always been a bit of a toilet, but you know, it's gotten more attention. And now that it's yeah. gotten more attention, it's, it's all the more reason not to be there, right? So yeah. I really do think they're migrating more to professional platforms. Yeah, um, like LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn. And I hate coming back to LinkedIn over and over because it's got its, you know, it's got its short downfalls too. But I do think it's more professional. 
and it allows the person reaching out. Like I could see who you are. I could read about your background. Yeah, no, it's true. It, Cause yeah. you're going to make it, you're probably going to go check the person out there anyways. Right. Yeah, exactly. In this day and age. Yeah. I used to find Twitter really useful for finding contact information for finding. I think that to some degree it still is because journalists might still have their, their email on their Twitter bio, even yeah. if they're not active on Twitter. Um, because it's very hard to get to uh, media emails otherwise. I mean, you can try to call, but if you're not subscribing to a database, you yeah. know, it's it's hard. But um, I guess LinkedIn is much more the place now. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to use Twitter effectively as a, as a business person, it's engaging in conversations that are related to your business, right? And mm-hmm. when you're doing that, you're trying to draw in other people. And as you're drawing in these bigger conversations, you're you're organically making contact with the journalists that you want to reach, right? They get to know you. They get to know that you're a yeah, player in that industry and they come to you, right? That's theoretically best case scenario. That's the way that would work. Yeah. I wonder if that still does work. I don't know. But I know what all the all the worst case scenarios are. And I've been in some of the worst case scenarios. And yeah. you know, the downside is so, so much bigger than the upside. Um, yeah. That's just, no, I know. I know. It's true. It's true. So when you're developing a media pitch, like what would you say are the most important elements to include to capture a reporter's attention? Like, I know we talked about being relevant and all that, but like mm-hmm. just in terms of like the pieces of your email. Uh, clarity of message. So, you know, what is it you're trying to be involved with? What is the story? Um, and, uh, you know, if you're writing a news story, the first sentence is called the lead. The lead tells you what the story is going to be about. The next paragraph right. is, a, you know, something that gives you the bigger context, right? Not just what this is about, but this is important because, right, it's sort of that's that's the piece that's often missing on the press releases is the, this is important Context. because, yeah, and, you know, that gets you a long way to where you need to be on a practical side. You know, again, I've seen press releases without contact information or only email or only phone numbers or, or um, you know, a distribution list of 500 people. And I could see every single person on the distribution list. You know, it's just that you don't want to be too casual either. Like I say, we should be casual and we should, you know, we should no, be you have to be professional and you have to be you know, yeah. um, thoughtful about it. You have to be thoughtful about it. And that, you know, what, what business really does a, sorry, this sounds stronger than I mean it, but like what businesses of a small business have sending out a broad press release to a thousand press agencies anyway. Right. Like that's not the way the game should be played at that no, level. It really should be a yeah. one-on-one. It's a, it's a knife fight in the trenches. It's getting, you know, one reporter at a time. It's going to events that reporters are at catching them at the end of it. You know, that's where you're really going to. It's a good idea. It. You'd yeah. be amazed how few people, actually do reach out to reporters though you know with actual information yeah by phone by email by anything with specific information along the lines of what we're talking about like very very seldom does it happen that somebody says this is what i'm doing and this is why it's important i've reached you you know i've researched you specifically i think this would be a great story for you Um, it just doesn't happen pitch is what you're saying yeah you just get the generic you know company x is proud to announce uh that is doing yeah but i mean you're saying that not a lot of people send a personalized email pitch even correct Oh, interesting. I guess because I'm in the PR business, that's all I do. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that's the way to do it. But I suppose I haven't thought of it from the business person's perspective. I guess they just tend to send the same thing to 50 people. That's right. Yeah. Where, you know, those 50 people aren't going to pick up the story, right? There's probably, there's one that you really want. You know who you want to cover your story, right? Like, yeah. And realistically, is, you know, is the Globe and Mail going to cover a story from Gananoque about a small business? I mean, Unless there's something really specifically interesting about it, probably not, right? Um, But with the Kingston Week Standard, of course, the Kingston Week Standard would. So, you know, focus your fire on on that publication and, you know, the whatever number of reporters they have left, figure out which one is the one. Well, that's uh, the one that's the right one for you, right? That is an issue. That's that's absolutely an issue. 
Yeah. What, so what do you know about that? Like I, I actually haven't. So what I've done is I've told people the importance of local coverage. I really yeah. tried to just to, to, to in through the podcast, explain yeah. that everyone wants to be in Forbes, let's say, or everyone wants to be in the yeah. Wall Street Journal. But the reality is, you know, there is so many other media out there. are so many other media out there that I'm talking about the alumni publications, the industry yeah. newsletters, the local papers, the local radio. And they're more targeted to your target audience anyway. So, I mean, in reality, those are the places you should be going to. But as far as staff goes, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think they have staff? No. Uh, So I I was the city editor of the Kingston Week Standard back in the early 2000s, I guess. And I mean, I had a, there had to be, I don't know, 10 city reporters, um, you know, just then an entertainment department on top of that, a sports department on top of that an editorial department on top of that yet again. So you're probably talking 30 or 40 people by the time you were done. I think they're down to six, you know, so that is a challenge. But, you know, if if I were a business, you know, I'm a businessman in Kingston, I've got a small business and I think an issue is important. I wouldn't go to the Whig Standard and say, you should cover my story. I would go to the Whig Standard and say, I've written a story. Yeah. I would love you to run it, right? So you can be much, much more proactive now than you used to be able to. Those op-ed pages are are excellent spaces because they're not going to edit you. You know, they're not going to push back on what you're saying. They're going to they're going to run run you almost verbatim because they need the content so desperately. Yeah. Uh, so being able to you know craft your own message, craft your own stories, being able to phone them and say like, I've actually written a story that would you know might work for your website. Do you want to? Are you interested in it? I will give it to you. Which sounds outrageous, right? Like you couldn't do that before. But you know, even at the the bigger national publications now, like the, you know, if you're a PR agency and you're not sending photos along with your pitches, um, then you're then you're missing a trick, right? That's they will run your photo. They will absolutely not oh, yeah. send a photographer. They will absolutely run your photo. Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. unbelievably not possible when I was. No, it's true. Community. It's true. You know, it's funny because I, I, I've worked in the mining industry, as you think, you know, because we've yeah. talked about it. And I can't even tell you, like, I mean, you can imagine the photography, right? Like we basically just supply all the photography and not only do they run it for our stories, they run it for all their stories. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and they really don't ever give us credit either. It's quite funny. No, this is a a world that wouldn't have existed when there was fully staffed newsrooms. It's just they don't yeah. have the resources to send. Well, I mean, and then you know what else happens actually is they run our photos. So when I worked as you know as a PR person for mining companies, they would run one of our photos, but they would run it with the wrong context. So they would run a right. story about like nickel, you know, with a gold mine or vice versa, okay. and it would be completely one hundred percent wrong. And my client would call me and say why is a picture of our, you know, and I'd have to call the journalist and say, can you please swap out this photo? Yes. Or I know real estate agents are like, if you're ferocious about defending their signs, it'll be a story about a housing downturn and there'll be a picture of like 10 Remax signs across the lawns, all for sale. Right. And they will lose their minds um, because they don't want to be associated with the downturn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, for sure. I don't see that. You do have to be careful with with what you supply, but I think uh, providing as many materials as you can. um, Yeah. No, I think it's, Yeah. And so I think that maybe the lesson there is to, you know, in addition to putting some content together, like writing an article, go and get some original photography. And, you know, you don't have to get it professionally done, like make sure it's decent looking, but include some original photography when you're supplying your story, because even if it doesn't get used, it will probably prompt the journalist as to what kind of images they can use. And maybe they'll get someone to go out and take them. And getting that, getting that in the email with a pitch, you know, even some video, um, if you have access to it, it just, it shows that you've got your shit together too. Right. And it's like, you're not just sort of a, like how professional do you think it has to look the video and the photos? Depends on what you're pitching. It really does. If you're a small mom and pop, you know, just 
yeah, a couple of good iPhone photos are going to be plenty for your local yeah. newspaper, right? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, but if it's a TV station and, you know, you have a manufacturing line and you're able to oh, send yeah, some video yeah, along yeah. as an example, then super, that's great. Yeah. Um, okay, that's great. Um, what about social media? What What do you think the role of the social media, what role can social media play when you're pitching a journalist? Like, should you be, I know you said find them on LinkedIn, but like, yeah. should you interact with them there? Should you, and is there any other socials? Like, what about on Facebook? What about on Instagram? Yeah, I don't find find them particularly useful as a people reaching out. Like I've never had anybody reach out to me on Instagram or or Facebook really. And I think, you know, Twitter, if you have Twitter, what you'd be looking for as a reporter having been reached out to is just what kind of a Twitter history they have, right? So is it long and varied? Have they been around for 10 years and there's a history of tweets going all the way back that are related to their business, or is it a bunch of rants about, you know, whatever? Politics. Politics whatever. Yeah, whatever. God knows. It could be anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, whereas as LinkedIn, I think, you know, what I'd be looking for is, you know, the quality of their own sort of background, uh, what articles they've posted that are related to their industry, just sort of how are they positioning themselves as an industry expert? Because that's really what it's about when you're pitching the media, right? Is like you're putting your foot forward as an expert into the subject that you're willing to talk about. So you want to have a professional presence, you want to have nice headshot. I went and got a new headshot the other day, I actually paid somebody money to do it. I saw your headshot. Right. I've never done that before. Yeah. Thank you. I've always had my daughter put me up against a wall and snap us on an iPhone photo. Right. So, you know, taking care of that stuff is important. It is. And I do tell people that, that if they're going to reach out to not just media, but like if you're going to be seeking speaking engagements, Mm -hmm. or if you're going to be doing anything to try to increase your visibility, that you have to make sure that you have a professional presence, because that's the first place that people are going to go to see if you're really who you say you are. That's right. Yeah. And it all just, it speaks to credibility, right? And the more credible it looks, the more likely they are to pick up the phone and call you. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. But it's hard when you're a small business and you're just starting out or, you know, you're not particularly public facing necessarily in some instances, you know, you're not going to have that history sometimes. But again, it's about a conversation. It's just getting somebody on the phone or meeting them at an event, you know, attending events um, where you think journalists are likely to be is hugely important. Again, coming back to Ottawa, just because that's where I live now and that's sort of the community I'm in. You know, the Ottawa Business Journal again does dozens of events a year, full of yeah. full of business people. But also attending those events are people from the Ottawa Business Journal. Right? Yeah, so yeah, no, that's a very good point. Also, yeah, yeah. So attend those events and get to know the people that are there, and likely, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get picked up organically just from the conversations you have. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good point. Thank you. Um, one question I do have also is SEO is becoming well, it's not becoming; it's always been important, but yeah. I think people are starting to understand better that SEO is important and they're starting to understand more what SEO is. So in that related to that, I'm just wondering, like, let's say you pitch a story and you, and and they say they're going to run it, or let's say they quote you, a journalist quotes you in a story. Is it okay? Like, how do you approach them about getting a possibly getting a backlink? I think you just ask, I know, you know, even going back to when I was at the globe, which is probably God, 10 years ago. Now people would ask and we would say, no, Right. Yeah. Like, no, our, our story is far too important to include a link to relevant information. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's changed. Um, I think it's perfectly okay now. And I think there's an understanding that it's especially with the smaller publications that if they're doing SEO right, they know that that backlink is valuable to them as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a two-way street. It's not just um it's not just a one way. So asking is perfectly reasonable. I mean, the worst they can do is say no. Um right. I guess it's important to make sure that your website looks good and that if they're putting a backlink there, that, you know, that the relationship is going to be, you know, going to make them look good too. 
Yeah, and understanding what the backlink is you're looking for, right? So you're not they're not going to put in a, a promotional sentence just to include a backlink in it. It'll just be organic within the story. You know, understand mm-hmm. it. It might just be your company name or something. Uh, that's fine, right? That's all you're. And that would be for. good. It would be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be very good. And I admit, like as a journalist, you know, up until a year ago, two years ago, I didn't have a good grasp on SEO. Right. That was something that other people worried about. And as a sort of like a boots on the ground journalist, wasn't something I concerned myself with an awful lot. But I think that's that's changed. Like even within the last two years, newsrooms understand uh, the importance of SEO much, much, much more. And they're you know they employ teams of people just to do SEO and. You know, God knows how this all changes with artificial intelligence and, and yeah. different different ways to do things. But I think for now, anyway, um, mm-hmm. you know, SEO with keywords is really the, really yeah. important to do. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that small businesses also didn't understand it well. I know from a PR perspective. I mean, I had someone on my podcast, uh, someone named John Tyerman, uh, who great guy, who I I know because he actually had a podcast, and so I invited him on like about maybe a month ago to talk about digital PR and SEO. Cause to be honest, like I didn't know much about it. I don't think that a lot of people don't really, I don't think understand it too well. I think there's always been like those PR people that did get it and that they did use it. And they would be like ahead because they would be the ones that were getting a lot of backlinks and driving a lot of traffic. And then there was like the rest of us that had no clue what it was. Yeah. And why is SEO important as a small business? I mean, one, it drives business to your site, right? So just, you know, without involving the media at all, that's just, an easy win, but from you know the media outreach perspective, when I type in the name of your company, yeah. you don't want seven other companies coming up on top of you, right? You want to yeah. you want to be on the top of that SEO search, so it's yeah. worth putting a little time and money into. Yeah, no, it, it totally is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So now that you work in media, well, not on the reporting side, but like in the yeah. media business, what are I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like, are there anything other than AI, or you can talk even about AI trend wise that are affecting the media landscape right now that a small business owner should be aware of? I just don't think you can under, understate just how understaffed newsrooms are and how little resources are available. So even when they're, you know, slow to get back to you or, you know, they, they do a piss poor job on the story that they do do, um, you know, a lot of that can be directly attributed to the sheer amount of work um, yeah. that's left in the hands of a small town journalist, right? So you come back to, you know, my business journal example. I mean, there are a couple of people in a newsroom cranking out a daily website, right? And they do a really good job, but, you know, they could... They can only cover so much, so right. you know, it makes it that much harder to cut through that noise. So that's not going to get better anytime soon, right? So right. I think artificial intelligence actually makes some of that a little bit better because those press releases that we were just talking about that uh, people pick up and rewrite. I mean, a, an AI can do that rewriting for you. You don't need a, a human to do that. It frees up humans to do phone calls and, and other smart things yeah. uh, that that AI can't do, right? So I think it'd be a, a bit of a renaissance that way. Associated Press. Has been using AI to write sports stories and stock market stories for yeah. almost a decade. Almost a decade, right? Like this is nothing really? new. Yeah. Oh. So if you read a story about the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropping four percent in the Wall Street Journal, that's true. You know, it's be, it's all robotic, right? It's all off yeah. spreadsheet. Anything you it is always the same. Now that you mention it, yeah. Sports scores, same thing. It's all a spreadsheet, right? So if it's on a spreadsheet, a robot can do it. But it, you know, robot can't make a phone call. A robot can't go visit your small business. They can't, you know, touch the products you make. They can't do all those things. So, so that would be one trend is just the the downsizing of newsrooms makes it really, really tricky. I think another trend is sort of the upstart media, you know, the smaller bloggers, they're not going to move the needle necessarily on, on you getting your front page of the wall street journal, but again, they're good at SEO. Uh, They understand their communities really well. They're much more targeted uh, and getting mentioned in Steve's blog might be actually more valuable to you. Than being mentioned in the Globe and Mail because it reaches the same audience, right? It reaches, mm-hmm. 
it reaches the five square blocks of the city that you're available to sell your wares into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess with the downsizing, I, I, the, the way that you can sort of like put that into practice for people is, or the way that people can put it into practice is they can just like write the story, think through the story, pitch the story, follow up on the story and just don't like lose patience and keep sort of trying and not, not to the point where you drive the person crazy, but like maybe like every couple of weeks, every two, three weeks, just like try again. Do as much of their work as you can for them. Mm right, is the takeaway. And, you know, that can even be if I'm if I'm pitching a story about my business, and the interesting things that it's doing in sector X, and I know that there's some other smart people in that field, then I should be telling the reporter who those people are, too. It's like, you know, other mm-hmm. people you might want to talk to, you know, include put them you know, in Janice is really even. smart about this, put them in touch, yeah. you know, you know, put your position yourself as the expert. Yeah, um, I think that's is the actually key. a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is really helpful. I mean, I think that it's it's really tough for I, mean, I think that one of the things that's a, 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 that sort of is a quandary for people is that on the one hand, they want media to help them tell their story and they want it to help them. It's like a megaphone. It helps get the information right. out. But on the other hand, people want it to build their credibility. And so when they, when they start looking at like how they should go about it, they don't, it doesn't occur to them to go to Steve's blog because they want the credibility of the, like, you know, the yeah. wall street journal. And yeah. so I guess, you know, I think though, that, what happens is you do naturally ladder up. Like if you start out with Steve's yes. blog and you just start pitching yeah. and don't worry about the wall street journal. And then like, you know, three months later, the wall street journal is looking at Steve's blog and they see what you've written and they That's call right. you. I mean, hypothetically speaking. And you need to know why you're in the game in the first place. Right. I mean, it's publicity for publicity's sake, isn't going to do anything for you. You know, my goal at, at, at Steve's business is to sell more butter tarts. Right. So, you know, Steve's blog is going to write about the innovative way in which I have robots building butter tarts. The local newspaper might see that, pick that up. You know, more people are seeing my business. They're saying, oh, I like butter tarts. I should go buy some of Steve's robot butter tarts. Right. And, you know, having that story told in the Globe and Mail may be really good for my ego and I could show it to my mom. It'll be amazing. No, it's true. You're right. But it's not going to drive a lot of love. It doesn't help you sell butter tarts. It's true. And I've seen that happen in the past where, you know, you get excited about something and, and you have to draw it to people's attention because they don't even see it. And you can do that through social media for sure. But yeah. at the end of the day, they probably won't read it. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, th- so this has been helpful, actually. This has been great. Um, do you have, is, is there anything that I didn't ask that I should have asked? No, I, I think we covered it. I mean, it's really about becoming your own media company well, media right? company i know and they you know they've been talking about that for years but i think yeah. it's really actually starting to happen yeah i mean if you're not telling your own story successfully on your own site you're doing something wrong right it's, you got to start there and build up i think and, yeah. and keep keep the aspirations reasonable actually i do have i do have another question okay. um just in terms of messaging and media training so these it's like a two part question okay so yeah. part 1 is i believe that having a message track, which is basically like three or four core messages about your business. So that if someone was to say to you, so tell me about your business, you could just go bang, bang, bang. And each message would be a fact. And then maybe there'd be a support point and a fact and a support point and a fact, right? And so you get through three to four messages. And then ideally, you don't get interrupted. You can sell the whole thing start to finish and you've told your story. And then, of course, people ask you questions and you can go off your messaging, you know, you can bridge to a, 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 an answer. What is your view on that? Like, do you appreciate it when people are that well prepared or do you think it sounds contrived and does it frustrate you? 
So as a reporter, it can be frustrating, you know, just because you are trying to get casual answers. You want it to sound, I keep using the word organic. I hate that word, but you want it to sound real, right? You want, you don't want to get talking points. Um, as somebody who's worked with executives and trained executives, it's, it's absolutely essential that they have those points and they don't blow it. Right. Um, yeah. Cause again, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to sell butter tarts. I don't need to be talking about the price of butter and how it's well, the reporters got one agenda. You have another agenda. So, but you know, if you can get your messaging, so you're saying be so familiar with your messaging that you can say it in your own words, make it your own and just, and you will be more effective because you will get your, your information out, which I think is key because otherwise you've done an interview and you haven't gotten your message out and you've answered the reporter's questions. And then you're frustrated because you feel like, oh, why didn't I get a chance to say what I came here to say? I never even tried to sell a butter tart, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, and then, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. And then I was just going to say media training. Like, do you think that, I think people feel that media training is a very technical thing and it, it is a technical thing, but it's, it, it actually works. It, in my opinion, like my experience, like I also, like you have trained many people over the years and, uh, I feel like it's not just about the messaging. It's also about the delivery. It's also about yes. understanding, you know, what a reporter is there for and, and also helping them get what they need while also serving your own purposes. Yeah. Media training is great. I would recommend it to anyone. And it's not just learning those three talking points. It's learning that you talk funny on TV or you really like that shirt you're wearing right now, but it's awful on television, right? Like that stuff is so important. Um, cause if you show up on TV and you're wearing a ridiculous colored lipstick and you think it looks great and it doesn't like you need to know somewhere along the way that that's a bad idea, right? And media training could be really good for that. There's so many little things about the way the media works that you just don't know. Um, right. I think you, you mentioned it a little earlier that, you know, if a reporter's coming to you unsolicited, they do have an agenda, right? Like the story they're going to write is not, you know, or broadcast is largely put together in their heads already. You know, they're looking for you to, to fill in that last blank. So you need to understand where they're coming from. And that's what media training does for you, right? It helps you interpret why they're coming to you in the first place. You know, it may not be in my best interest to talk to Simon at the Globe and Mail about butter tarts because he's only interested in how, you know, the price of butter has made butter tarts unattainable to the average person. You know, I don't want to be in that story. That's not good for me. You know, so media training helps prepare you for that sort of situation. Yeah. And what do you think about, uh, last question, what do you think about a small business, like, do you feel like they can learn to do it for themselves? I mean, this is what I I do. I think people can learn. They don't need a PR agency. I don't think it has to be complicated. I mean, it has to be learned, but once you learn it and spend a little time learning it, I think you can do it for yourself. What do you think? I agree. There's zero barrier to entry to being a media company, right? So you look at Red Bull, uh, you know, as a drink company that does media better than media does, right? There's nothing stopping my business from having a really good website that has really good stories on it that people find via seo that help me sell my product right that's absolutely attainable that's kind of like what you're doing right now what i'm doing right now yeah okay (laughs) well that's a good end okay well that's it for today's episode of the path to visibility before we end i just wanted to mention that if you're interested in working with the media and learning what you need to do in order to get quoted I have a free resource that I put together that is available in the show notes. So just go to the show notes and you'll be able to download it from there. I hope you found Steve Laterante's insights on media pitching and coverage valuable. I thought they were great. Just to recap, here are some of the highlights. First, Steve emphasized the importance of making reporters' jobs easier 
And you can do that by bringing them something they can use and positioning yourself as an expert in your industry and a resource to them. He also shared tips on how to personalize your pitch to capture a reporter's attention and how important it is to do that because they get so much generic information. He talked about the value also of local coverage and how easy it is to approach a news outlet even when their staffing is limited. Steve also discussed current media trends like understaffed newsrooms and the growing importance of SEO and keywords. And he highlighted the value of being your own media company and the importance of media training for learning all the little things about how media works. If you'd like to connect with Steve, you can find him on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Reviews really do help so much. Thanks again for tuning in. And I'll be back next week with more tips and insights to help you on your path to visibility.